This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Well, as I said, we are now turning to your health and one of the greatest advances of the 20th century. Frankly, one of the greatest advances ever, antibiotics. These drugs have saved untold numbers of lives, but recently there's been a growing problem with antibiotic resistance. Now, everyone who's ever taken a course of antibiotics has been told to finish all the pills, not to stop the drugs when they're feeling better. And that is the current guidance from the World Health Organization, which says it is essential to finish a course of antibiotics to avoid triggering more virulent forms of disease. Well, now a team of British researchers want to turn that advice on its head. In an article just published in the British Medical Journal, 10 leading experts said... The public health message is not backed by evidence and should be dropped. And they claim that it actually puts the public at greater risk from antimicrobial resistance. I'm going to give the numbers out again before we go to our experts. If you have questions about this, I know I certainly do. The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 And right now on the line, we have Dr. Tim Pito, Professor of Infectious Diseases at Oxford University in England, and he is one of the authors of that article. Dr. Pito, welcome. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Uh, so uh, please uh, tell us uh, what drove you to this conclusion. Well, we've been trying to do research to reduce antibiotic resistance, and the general feeling is that the fewer antibiotics used in the, in the world, on the globe, the better, um, both for humans and for animals. The less you use, the less resistance. And, of course, we too have been taught, I was taught at high school when I was 16, that you should finish your course, otherwise you'll get resistance. And we started to wonder, where did that advice come from? We couldn't understand it. And it turns out, we did some medical history, that the man Alexander Fleming, who was a man who discovered penicillin back in the 1940s, he got the Nobel Prize. And in 1945, when he gave his Nobel Prize speech, he mentioned this in his speech as an aside that you should finish your course. And I don't think he had any real evidence for it, at least not relevant to today. And I don't think anybody properly um, questioned him. And it's now become entrenched in our society. We all know it, and we all have believed it to be true. That's really interesting. <laughs> so it was the guy who discovered penicillin in a speech, and there was never any study or anything done to back it up? Not properly, no. And how long have you been working on this? I mean, it's new well, for us. On, I mean, antibiotic resistance, in the last two or three years, we People have been worrying about this more and more. And we've been trying to reduce courses in clinical practice and do studies to see whether it's safe for patients. And 
people were unhappy because they were worried about the resistance elements. Patients thought if they stopped their tablets, they would hurt people in the community. And I think that's not, there is no evidence for that at all. And we should be driven as to what's best for the patient themselves, not the community problem. Well, the, sorry, uh, the other thing that I was always led to believe that it, it wasn't just a matter of the resistance, but that uh, even if you feel better after 24 hours, it doesn't mean you actually are better. And if you stop the course of antibiotics, you're going to get sick again or sicker. Yeah, I mean, this is the, clearly what's best for the patient in terms of the patient's illness. We haven't really been telling people that they should take the matters into their own hands. We've been saying that um, our paper was written for the, to be read by doctors. The idea was to empower doctors to choose shorter durations of courses depending on how ill people are and what's wrong with them. And also possibly to empower doctors to shorten the course if people respond well. I think it's a slightly different matter about whether patients should do it on their own because clearly people are all different. But we want doctors to be able to shorten courses. Okay, yes, but um, is there a kind of a standard uh, number of, uh, I mean, don't they do that now? Because I know I've had antibiotics where I've taken them for a week. I've had them where I've taken them for two weeks, sometimes three weeks, I think. So, so don't they have the discretion now? They have the discretion, but they might have had the fear, the Alexander Fleming fear that they would promote resistance if they gave a shorter course. So the second point, which is relevant, is there are no modern, there's no modern evidence about what the best duration of, of antibiotic use is. It's again what the number of days or weeks you've been given has been handed down from, um, from the old days. So there's, only, there's not much evidence about how many days you really need. So we would hope that worldwide there'll be lots of new research done to find out how many days you actually need for your chest infection um, or for your skin infection. And wouldn't it vary from antibiotic to antibiotic? I think that probably if the antibiotics are effective, it's probably the same for um, different antibiotics, as long as the antibiotics are effective for that particular infection. So I'm not clear that makes much difference. Oh, really? That's interesting. Um, I know, for instance, uh, when people, this, this just came up recently, um, when people realize they've been bitten by a tick and they're worried about Lyme disease, there's a big controversy because they're given a high dose, uh, just one time high dose antibiotic. And then there are other doctors who say, no, you need to be on for several weeks for it to be effective. Um, so uh, I don't know. Uh, well, I think, I think you're illustrating the, the uncertainty about um, our knowledge on this. And if you go around to different countries, all sort of advanced countries, you find that different countries have got different recommendations for the same illness using the same antibiotics. Okay, so in the midst of all of this, uh, I'm, I'm sure patients are wondering, doctors are wondering, so what, what, um, what do you want to come out of this paper? What we want to come out of this paper is to be able to open the doors to doing modern research so that we can really try out different durations of antibiotics and get to the proper answer as to what is the minimum proper dose to give for different illnesses, and then we would know for certain. And, and in the meantime? Well, in the meantime, you do what your doctor says, and the doctors, I think um, 
lot of listening to this would be quite pleased to be able to give shorter courses and feel empowered to do that. Because I think many doctors also agree, that, as patients do, that some of the courses are too long. Okay. Dr. Tim Pito, thank you so much for that. We really appreciate it. Pleasure. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Okay, so uh, we're going to take another break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to a local doctor uh, who is perhaps in a better position to talk to Canadian patients. Uh, We're going to be talking to Dr. Andrew Andrew Morris on the other side of the break. Uh, But in the meantime, I want to give out the numbers because I'm sure people have questions about this, and uh, I think it's always important to be an empowered patient and uh, to question your doctor about things. I mean, now that I've heard this, should I ever need antibiotics and the doctor writes a script for it, I will question him or her about uh, the reason for the duration of that course. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are talking about a whole new approach to the use of antibiotics. This is something that is very important for our health. Antibiotics, of course, uh, have saved untold numbers of lives. However, there has been a growing problem of antibiotic resistance. There's a problem of overuse of antibiotics. Everybody who's ever taken some uh, will recall being told by their doctor, by their pharmacist, that they should always finish the course of antibiotics. Don't stop taking them just because you feel better. And now there is a new article in the British Medical Journal saying, wait a minute, that is probably not the case. They are theorizing that actually... Finishing the course of antibiotics increases uh, antibiotic resistance, and they're saying that people should probably uh, feel empowered to take them less, not so much patients. They want doctors to think about it. Uh, I'm sure that this is very confusing for patients. It's, uh, I find it confusing. I'd be wondering what to do. So I'm going to give you the numbers again, 416 360 0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. If you have a question or comment about this, right now let's go to Dr. Andrew Morris, who is the medical director of the Antimicrobial Stewardship Program at Mount Sinai. Dr. Morris, hi. Hi there. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Fine. So what do you make of this paper? Well, it's not really anything new for those of us who are in the field, and... Uh, I think it's received a lot of media attention primarily because of the rather provocative headline as well as uh, some of the uh, press releases. Um, What they're really trying to say, what the authors are really trying to say, is the whole idea that uh, prolonging the amount of antibiotics that patients take will reduce the risk of resistance, and that's not really true. So they're they're arguing that that long-held belief that taking antibiotics for a longer period of time is no longer seen as beneficial, and if anything, it's harmful. Okay. Uh, Take me back to your own education. Is this something that you were taught in medical school? You know, I'm not sure I 
exactly remember being taught in a class about it, but certainly that was something that all my supervisors and mentors told me, is that if you want to reduce the risk of resistance, you need to make sure that you treat for a long period of time to prevent the emergence of resistance. Uh-huh, but, th- but treating for a long period of time is, is different than saying uh, you can never stop taking these drugs until you finish the whole bottle. Um, yes and no. Okay. That uh, to a physician, the message is that err on the the old message was err on the side of caution because if you don't treat long enough, resistance will emerge. How that might translate to a patient is um, getting a longer course of antibiotics. What we're now saying is there's some sweet spot, which we don't really know where that sweet spot is for each infection. For some infections we do, but for many we don't. And wherever that sweet spot is, if a doctor prescribes a course that's longer than that sweet spot, or if patients take a prescribed course that's beyond the sweet spot, then all you're doing is promoting resistance and and promoting harm without uh, gaining more than the necessary benefit. I, I I was always under the impression when I got these drugs that there was some kind of reason where uh, I wouldn't be cured of whatever the problem was unless I finished the course, that somehow you feel better, but it's it's like clearing up a symptom almost as opposed to the underlying problem if you don't finish all of them. Yeah, well, that's yeah. true for some infections. For most infections, not. In fact, for most infections or conditions that people receive antibiotics, it's probably not even a bacterium anyways. So uh, the majority of people receive antibiotics for infections that might be a bacterial infection, but it's usually viral, and and antibiotics don't work on viruses, they work on bacteria. So, you know, that's the, the usual, unfortunate usual state of affairs is most patients receive antibiotics when they don't really need them. And then on top of that, What's compounded is many patients end up receiving a course of antibiotics that's probably longer than they need. Okay, yeah, I think average is is a couple of weeks on an antibiotic. Am I right? You know, it's it's changed over time, and again, it really depends on the condition. So, for example, a, a severe urinary tract infection. Uh, we normally recommend somewhere between 7 and 14 days, depending on which antibiotic. But for even things like pneumonia, nowadays, uh, treatment of pneumonia is around 5 days. It used to be, when I trained, we would be recommending somewhere between 14 and 21 days for cases of pneumonia. So that's really shortened over time. Um, so, okay, um, where does where does this leave things? Uh, is I mean... This is the first thing I, as a layperson, have ever seen. So does the standard of care, does this change anything, the way doctors are going to prescribe these drugs? Well, hopefully some of the messaging that's going to healthcare providers is if your reason for prescribing a longer course of antibiotics was to prevent resistance, you don't need to do that. So you could probably, for most infections that you're prescribing antibiotics where you feel there's a need to prescribe antibiotics, you could almost certainly use a shorter course. I think what it's told us in the scientific community is that there's a much greater need, uh, probably more than ever, to uh, test different durations of treatment for different conditions so that we can identify the shortest 
and yet still effective course of antibiotics for various conditions. So would that be a, a regular kind of scientific study? Yeah, absolutely. This is, uh, um, these are kind of studies that um, have been done. They continue to be done. You know, probably 10, 15 years ago, we had relatively few um, studies that compared shorter and longer courses of antibiotics. That wasn't uh, the thrust of most um, scientific studies, but because of the emerging problem of antibiotic resistance and our concerns about um, unnecessary use of antibiotics, more and more of us in the community are very interested in knowing how low we can go, essentially, how short a course we can uh, uh, give that's still effective and safe. What do you recommend for patients to do? If I go to my doctor and uh, she says you need an antibiotic, should I question the doctor on, on the length of, of uh, the duration? Well, I think as all good health care, it's a conversation that you have with your health care provider. And the first question shouldn't even be the duration. The first question is, do I really need this antibiotic? And then the second question is, if this is the antibiotic that I need, um, how long do I need to take this for? And if I feel better, do I need to continue taking it for as long as you've uh, prescribed it for? And you know, I think those are useful conversation starters to have your, with your healthcare provider. And hopefully over time, this will uh, lead to changes in practice and certainly a new mindset amongst healthcare providers. Okay, uh, then back to the other issue of unnecessary use of antibiotics. I know that's been a big issue for a long time. And I know back when, I mean, I, I have to say I've been guilty of, you know, basically demanding antibiotics. So is, is that why uh, they're often prescribed when they're not necessary, because uh, the doctor doesn't know if it's bacterial or viral? That's certainly a major driver. Um, I think that we don't have the, uh, we still don't have rapid point of care diagnostic tools that tell a doctor this is the medicine that you need or you don't need any medicines for this patient. So, you know, and certainly there's a lot of biotech firms out there that are uh, developing these tools and hopefully in the next, you know, five to 10 years, these will become widely available. Some are even available now, but certainly over the next while, they'll become more widely available at a, at a more favorable price point. I think the other issue is that um, patients and doctors you know, antibiotics are almost sort of like a badge of honor that if you feel really sick or if the doctor thinks you look really sick, then automatically this is, it's so bad that you need to be on antibiotics kind of thing. And, you know, I often hear people tell me this, I was so sick, I needed to be on antibiotics. And that really isn't an indication for antibiotics. The reason why people should be on antibiotics is because you have or are strongly suspected of having a bacterial infection. It isn't how you feel. It's whether or not you have the signs or symptoms that are strongly suggestive of a bacterial infection. Well, you know, sometimes it's it's very hard to tell. Well, but that's why physicians have, you know, medical training is to um, understand, you know, the difference between bacterial and viral infections. It's true, you can't always tell. As I said, you, you know, uh, technologies hopefully will assist that. But for most people who have, you know, um, symptoms that are in the head, so uh, nasal uh, symptoms or cough that just comes from the upper airway or sore throat, runny nose, those kind of things, um, most of the time those are not bacterial. And even if they are bacterial, the likelihood that they're going to benefit from much antibiotics is very small. 
it's very different than patients who, for example, who I see in the emergency department who are very sick with low blood pressure or, um, uh, you know, have evidence of what we call sepsis, severe infection. And that's a whole different conversation. Uh, what about, um, this came up recently with uh, ticks and Lyme disease, and, and if people suspect they are given antibiotics prophylactically, what about that? So Lyme disease is a, a complex situation with a lot of controversy around it for a lot of uh, reasons. Um, Lyme disease, fortunately, is still in Canada relatively uncommon. It seems to have been emerging to be a greater problem. Um, Usually, there's documented evidence of a tick bite, um, and ideally, you actually know what the tick is or you took a photo of the tick to help identify whether or not it was the specific tick that causes Lyme disease, Ixodes scapularis. But, you know, Overall, if we're thinking about the the burden of antibiotic use in in Canada or globally, uh, antibiotic use for Lyme disease is really a, a small player and is a very small part of the of the problem. Okay, uh, but in general, are are antibiotics given prophylactically and for things that where there's a suspicion but not knowledge? Rarely, you know, the best uh, use of antibiotics prophylactically is before and during surgery. So um, for people who have surgeries that have a reasonable risk of infection, uh, the anesthetist or uh, the surgeon or the nurse will administer antibiotics just before the surgery, just before the operation, and if it's a prolonged operation during the operation as well. Um, That's probably the best example of uh, so-called prophylactic antibiotics. There are a few other select situations where they're beneficial. Increasingly, the those con- number of conditions has diminished, and you know, recently, um, several societies I was involved with uh, on behalf of the Association of Medical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases of Canada, but we partnered with the uh, Canadian Orthopedic Association, the Canadian Dental Association, to say that people who have artificial joints don't need antibiotics before dental procedures, and this is a major shift. Um, but that was something that is it's still commonly uh, done, but patients uh, do not need antibiotics in general um, if they have artificial joints. Okay, we have like 20 seconds left. Is there anything you'd like to leave us with? No, I, I think this is a major uh, healthcare problem. It's a public health issue, and I'm really appreciative that you're uh, bringing this to your uh, listeners' attention. Okay, thank you so much, Dr. Andrew Morris, Medical Director of the Antimicrobial Stewardship Program at Mount Sinai. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.